you want to protect your team and not get burned out things are happening it's obviously for the easy access of good dumplings i think it makes us more resilient we have a good positive trend why would you use something that inherited with a lot of issues to train for something that's going to determine your future Welcome to Between Meetings, a series of on-the-go interviews in which we discuss innovation, technology, and entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Marian Danko. Today's interview with Alan Wu, Chief Information Officer at Manulife. Alan has a proven track record of solving complex business challenges with innovative technology strategies. She has a strong passion for advancing sustainability, ethical AI, diversity, and leadership. Ellen, thank you so much for joining me. Thank yeah. you for your time. Yeah, have no a problem. Thanks for having me. Beautiful weather today, so yep. um, I'm looking forward to learning from you. Yes. You work in the U.S. for big corporates, including Accenture, S&P, yeah. and then you move to Hong Kong and you yeah. start working as a chief data officer at uh, HSBC, big company. So what was the main reason why did you move to Hong Kong? And if you now look back and compare working uh, at two big different um, cities. What about the differences in the work cultures? Sure. Well, it's obviously for the easy access of good dumplings <laughs> to move to Asia. I mean, what, what else could it be? Um, well, I'm, I, I'm actually, obviously I'm Asian. Um, I was born in the States, but I'm Taiwanese. Uh, I grew up in Taiwan. So I always had that cultural in me, like the, mm. the Chinese um, Asian culture in me. Um, after spending probably 15 years in U.S., I feel like I really should explore that part of uh, my route. Um, and then Asia is really booming, right? So mm. from an opportunity perspective, you know, I'm not, I'm actually taking advantage of it rather than uh, taking a different direction. So, uh, so I thought that was time. I had a good, you know, almost 10 years built up some experience in, in U.S. to see what I can do and contribute um, in a growing Asian market. So it wasn't a hard decision, uh, to be honest. Uh, it was a little different than what I expected, but it, it was a, it was a relatively easy transition to, mm. to Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. And of course, for the good food. <laughs> <laughs> food is amazing. Isn't uh, it? Yeah. I haven't been to Hong Kong already for, I think, more than three years. It's like, I want to go. It was just, and also it's a great location as a hub to go to all parts of Asia. And of course, now I'm in Shanghai, you know, this is uh, continuing to elevate my access to dumplings. But, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it, there's a good part of it is for the culture, mm -hmm. the cultural experience. Um, in terms of the differences, you know, your second question, um, I think, let me just put, let me talk about the, the, the same first, which what actually was surprised to me. I think both sides from Eastern and Western culture are very much uh, built on relationship, how you work with people. And I think people don't talk about it enough. Um, and, and I do think having understanding of where each other coming from actually help a lot with work. Um, so I think I find that there's a similarity very, very like vividly right, right away as I enter uh, Hong Kong market. Um, the slight difference is I think uh, in general the Western world, especially um, you know if you're working in in US and was working with Europe or South uh, or South America, um, you see the uh, schedule 
difference mm-hmm. that, that they're a little bit more boundary in terms of the time that you would request mm-hmm. the time to work with your counterpart whereas in hong kong was a big shock for me is the team really work around the clock and i couldn't get them to go home because they <laughs> they feel so obligated to get everything done and and they're sort of the global part of the team but work in hong kong mm-hmm. so they literally work around the clock so and that's the biggest difference for me is like how to manage schedules and um and 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 the accommod- how do they accommodate the global colleagues and mm-hmm. counterparts mm-hmm. in in us and europe was a, was a was a big difference yeah, yeah. very accommodating I think China has the same schedule, right? So yeah. here, yeah. especially in Shanghai, it's just crazy. People work 24-7. Yeah, work ethic is just amazing, right? In terms of really want to get stuff done. Yeah. But it's really hard sometimes to balance the uh, work-life um, balance. Right? That's true. So that's another part that you find a bit of challenge is you, you want to protect your team and not get burned out. Um, but how do you create a safe space for them to to understand that it's okay to have work-life balance. You, you don't have to do the 996. We, you, know, you don't have to be judged by that, right? So, right. You're promoting ethical AI. Yes. So first of all, why ethical AI is important yeah. and what are the key issues with uh, using uh, ethical AI? It's a big topic. Do we have it a long is. enough road to talk <laughs> about this? Um, no, so... Is it interesting? So my background um, for the last 20 years is really more deepened in data technology. So I did uh, from the last generation of data warehousing, data management into now the big data and, and really we're at the sort of the heyday of uh, mm. the data, big data and data science space. Um, and that's last few years, actually I shouldn't say probably more than five to 10 years, um, we very actively promoting AI and this really the it gave us so much efficiency gave us so much way to uh, put the growth in the different spectrums right but uh, we've been training these models with historical data with with data that created a lot of the social disparity and the biases mm. and inherited inequality right so and we don't have a better way because the volume of the training that's required, the best way is to use historical data that will give us the pattern and you, your, cust- your highly customized profiling capability are all based on what you have done and your history of the data. So if we want our future world to be different than the past, to improve it, that's not a right approach mm. right why would you use something that inherited with a lot of issues to train for something that's going to determine your future mm-hmm. so and there's a book called um weapon of math destruction i love the title um by kathy o'neill and i read it i think when it came out in 2017 or 16 i can't remember the exact year but after i read it i was like yeah this is exactly what i was Hope, I was hoping someone would start talking about mm-hmm. because if we wanted to really change the world, you know, to make it a better place, we need to recognize the flaws we have in our system today by using the history 
you know, the, the, the pathway is, is not going to do it, right? So the, the AI development needs to really take into consideration of these biases um, so, so we can actually have a chance to fight these biases in the future. So I'll give you an example. Um, and this was actually mentioned in her book, and, uh, and I work in the insurance industry. Of course, we're very conscious about things like this. And um, the, in U.S., um, the premium was ca- calculated based on your race, your gender, your, you know, all these sort of typical data to prof- profile you as an individual. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, bl- black men in the middle age were consistently gain higher, higher premium than white men mm-hmm. in the middle age in their 40s. That's, let's put it that way. And that's because of their, uh, the life expectancy historically for black men in the U.S., is shorter than white men. Mm. But why is that? The cost, the many social, you know, inherited issue in that, mm-hmm. that that gave that kind of history results, right? So the, the, the things we're observing in our society. So then you have inherited biases in our algorithm to continue treat the the underprivileged with these type of bias lens. So I think this is why I think it's so important. This to, is a good example, yeah. Yeah, to raise the ethical AI topic it's, is just because how it was doesn't mean it's how it should be in the future. And how do we proactively highlight these possible biases to not, you know, make these sort of social disparity worsen in the future, but really fight it head on. Um, and it's a big topic because how much of that is bias, how much of that is really just behavioral, we, it's hard to judge. So it's a very sensitive topic, I think, um, to really get right. And I'm obviously still learning um, about this topic, but I do think we need to have enough attention on it to, to make sure, you know, we're not causing more problems as, as the practitioner of uh, data science world, but actually have a way to help solve this issue in the future. So, well, yeah. Well, the first, the first step is awareness, right? The next step is action. But yeah. what actually the ways to fight it? I mean, is it changing um, algorithm or identifying and these issues? Or? And there's many, many ways. I think being conscious and um, and there's a big, you know, movement in in the insurance community to to look at these and uh, not just in terms of all the all the financial services side, right? In terms of mortgage lending, mm-hmm. there's a big topic in the U.S. on the on the mortgage lending rate from by race by geography um premium calculation of fees is uh, it's very there's a lot of more tangible things we could do to look at the input data on training Mm -hmm. um i also think we we in the past we we didn't have a lot of solution on really uh, uh, manage the input um, for model training from historical or, or, or behavioral data versus uh, uh, training data, so training data fabricated, you know, synthetic data. So I think having a good balance mm. of that would help model training a lot, a lot more manageable um, and 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 a lot more transparent in mm. a way. So so there's some way to do it, but it really is very industry 
and very subject oriented. Like you really need to know what are the inherited issues in that industry to be able to highlight these possible underlying issues. Yeah. In 2020, you invested in a carbon reset. So reset this is yes. um, Hong Kong based company. Yeah. Why did you decide to do it? And um, yeah, what was basically your journey into sustainability? Yeah, so I have to, my, outside of my I, corporate job, there are two passions. One is the ethical AI we talked about. The other one is sustainability. And also is, it's a, uh, I also came to learn about, uh, you know, how brutally we're treating our home. Uh, only very recently and just sort of a I feel I feel bad not knowing that you know a lot earlier on we would know there's so many scientists has been really talking about it but the probably I think 2016 2017 around the same time I become more aware of the topic through a lot of my you know close friends and family members or uh, people in the in the data community start talking about these uh, these climate models, and um, and I always wanted to be able to do something that has a positive impact to the world in my second half half of career. So I, I told myself at you know age forty five I want to convert into doing something that most of my time is contributing for better of the society regardless through what means. So I was very active looking for startup or businesses that I can uh, contribute um, with my knowledge or even financially to, to, to grow and support. And uh, sustainability becomes a topic, and obviously ethical AI was a topic I was looking at as well, but sustainability becomes a topic I, I felt like I can probably help bridging, you know, public-private resources with uh, a connection of technology or data. So I was positioning myself in that role to sort of help bring the two, two space together, so from, from private and public. And, um, and I came across Reset Carbon. Um, Reset Carbon is a business that uh, is a consultancy business, mm -hmm. and they focus on helping enterprise to make uh, truly meaningful, at-scaled uh, reduction on its impact to the environment. So they, they're not only doing just a project-based consulting work, they're really looking at how to completely change an industry. Mm. It's looking at the manufacturing process and, and they really look at creating a solution to bring everyone together. So it's a little bit between, it's that position of between a, almost a private and um, 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 public, but really focusing on how to make sense for the private and 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 make that business case. Right? Mm -hmm. Ultimately, business make decisions based on their, you know, where the bottom line and commercial value. So we want to make sure that gets translated for them. That have a, a true, uh, you know, business possible positive business impact as well. So so I thought this business was very interesting and and very deepened into the market and with really good market understanding was very good track record and um, and it was it just needed a little bit help to expand and grow and scale up and that's where I felt like I could help from um, some supporting them not just financial support but also from 
my corporate experience support. Um, that's why I got involved in um, their sort of expansion into Taiwan and mainland China market, and also now Southeast Asia. Yeah. Awesome. You work with data all the time. Um, how actually big data contribute to the envir environmental sustainability? Uh, there's so much that can be done. I, I actually have to say this is a relatively immature space, mm -hmm. and and that's also why I have an interest. I think um, if there are already enough people solving this problem, so I'm I'm sure you know you can just support and give them uh, help to get it done. But I, I don't feel like there's enough people really jump in yet to to solve this this problem. So um, we have quite a lot of practical issues in terms of uh, data quality to measure our emission, for example, the standards of how we all start to speak, speak the same language and looking at uh, you know carbon reduction from different sectors. And is this just going, this is like um, almost a little bit primitive in terms of you know, in in our in a data lens, for what we are doing in in in, in truly solving uh, climate issues, and the most of the knowledge is sits within the academic. So we really need to pull that and 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 use it into practical day to day business world. Um, there's quite a uh, quite a few initiative already that's doing like the renewable energy cycle standards. I know there's a business here, uh, they're doing a, a reset standard, which is the uh, environment mm. impact data standard. So there are quite, quite a few business and space that, that are already trying to get a good foundation. And I think we really need to do more of that and, and, and get it used across the board. Um, it's very simple. It's very similar to our about twenty years ago when we started looking at digitalization, right? So, digitalization requires a, a level of way to communicate, and without a proper standard, it's almost very hard to have the meaningful communication. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's happening in the climate world between the publics or the academic and the private space. Um, that level of true meaningful communication using uh, regards data or models or or or, or predictability um, is still lacking yeah. um, but i'm i'm happy to see that things are happening and i want to be in that space to kind of help yeah do you see uh, any differences how these problems tackled um, in china and outside of china um I think in uh, in in Europe and in US, are uh, I I think it's a little bit more advanced in the space, and there's a bit more um, government supports to kind of move faster. And last year, after the 14 five-year plan fund uh, issued by the uh, by the Chinese government, I think China is definitely going to catch up. And you know, anytime China says this mind to something it, it moves fast right? so I'm very uh, excited and interested to see what China can do next um, to really catch up on, on this space um, but I do think the Western world has a head start 
and uh, and China is is really focusing on catching up and potentially move faster than than the rest of the world. I think we see already a big difference, right? Yeah. If we compare even like five or ten years ago, so it's a lot of things happened already and yeah. it's evolving super fast. Evo yeah, yeah, exa exactly. And now the technology helps as well, so it's exciting space to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Given your experience working at uh, big companies in China and outside of China, and also um, you're advocating um, ethical AI, you're advocating diversity, equity, inclusion, what's your take on ESG? And what are wow. the main big challenges related to ESG? Because this topic has been very, very uh, hot recently yeah. and everyone is talking about it, but it feels like there is still a gap in understanding actually what it is and how to, to address this. I think, so, so it's good that we have attention on ESG. So I think I think it first established that it's good that we have so many more people and more companies are focusing on doing something about it, right? So regardless from the environment and the social side, governance side, I think it's, it's important, it's our, it's a business integrity. So what are we doing? Uh, to make sure while we're growing our business and, 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 and taking care of our shareholders' interest, uh, what are we doing to the world that we live in? So I think having attention on this is very good. Um, what I'm worried about, and also I start to see a little bit of overheating on this topic, and the hype's sometimes not necessarily good for the work, is it if it starts to lose the true um, meaning of what it really needs to deliver, right? And that's, it becomes a little bit more of a marketing conversation and a branding, uh, pure branding view. And not to say it's not important. I think it's, a, it's very important to have very clear brand strategy and brand conversation on what's your position in this space. And that's, that's top-down strategy you have to have in, in the corporate world. Without it, you don't have a North Star. But I shouldn't be just that, right? Mm. The, the real work comes after you know what your North Star is. And that real work is hard work. And that hard work, a lot of time, creates certain conflicts in terms of profitability. And, 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 and that's, you know, when you're challenged as a management, when you're challenged with a decision to make between you know, what's, what's going to impact your bottom line? Are you going to be able to make the right decisions under this banner, this scope, right? So then that's really where we get tested um, in, the, in the business world. And, and I hope more business leaders uh, in the decision-making positions truly understand the meaning of it and, and be able to make the right decisions that bring good shareholder values in these decisions at the same time that you know really understand the essence and and, 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 and implementing the essence of what ESG is. Um, I can't say I know the social and governance topic too well, but environment is something I really spent a bit more time understanding and these are not easy decisions. Um, and a lot of them are more long term. Mm -hmm. And in a world where we look at quarter by quarter performance, it's it's tough. There's a lot of trade off. So 
So I hope, I hope there are more people that can see that, you know, um, long-term impact in their decision-making process. Yeah, definitely. It's a huge topic, right? And hopefully with more attention attached to it, uh, there will be lots of changes in the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I do think in general, we have a good positive trend. Yeah. So, so let's celebrate that. Let's celebrate that we are marching to a, a, a good direction, the right direction. So just to make sure when we're doing that, take your friends and making sure we check on each other and and you know have that level of integrity and 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 make sure we we all doing something that's truly meaningful and you know not for the talk <laughs> how about the covid and um, all the lockdowns recently mm. how is it impacting specifically your life your your work mm. any big changes i think you know i i I think any anyone that said it doesn't impact is probably overly optimistic. So I think in, in the you know we had to add testing into our routine pretty much every day. You do have to be very very agile, flexible in terms of making plans. So there is definitely a degree of impact to our day to day life. Um, but I think it makes us more resilient mm-hmm. as human and as a society, right? So these this is you know if you're not tested you don't know your potential and i do think if you look at adversity in that sense you you use it as opportunity to understand you know to reflect on yourself what you can do and your 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 flaws and your strength at mm-hmm. the same time but you don't have those opportunity you're never going to have be able to to truly you know, see that we have the opportunity to reflect on your own your own self. So, so I think we would take it as a, a a gift almost that we had this opportunity to kind of see how flexible we are <laughs> to manage in our day to day life, but also use it to kind of reflect on our strengths and and weaknesses and and see how we improve ourselves as a, a better human being. So that's that's what the way I see it. But definitely, it, it presents its challenges. Uh, being a Taiwanese American is not easy at this time <laughs> in sure. the, in China, to say the least. But I always see my team, the people I work with, and, and just how lovely they are, and I, and just put those other things aside, right? You 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 work with people, you work for those relationship, and and. And those words, so things are meaningful to you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for all the insights, uh, for all the sharings. Uh, it's super interesting. And um, I'm going definitely to put some takeaways for people um, uh, to read as well. And the book, uh, I'm, I, I want to check as well and read that book. And uh, I wish we see more uh, positive things in the space that you're yeah. working with. Thank you. I and, hope um, so too. Looking for those updates. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. That was uh, a Between Meetings. Please subscribe, like.